Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hi guys and welcome back to the show. We are super excited to be welcoming you back to another episode of the Learn to Love podcast. In the last episode, we talked about soft spots. What do they look like? How can you recognize them in your partner? And why are they so important to your relationship? In this episode, we're going to be talking all about the concept of teamwork in a relationship, what it looks like, how to work on it, and really what your partner probably expects of you in in this domain. I think this is another important thing that we're often not taught and it's not like very clear, but we're going to talk to you from some books we read and some uh, also radio shows, um, specifically Laura Schlesinger's show um, based on people's experience with, with couples. What should teamwork look like in your relationship? How can you get really good at it? Before we dive right in, we just want to quickly recap the last episode on soft spots. And basically, soft spots are things that your partner has which they react very like big, very severely to, like a lot more than you would expect them to. It's kind of like those things you say that really trigger your partner and get them going zero to a hundred, like like boom, like like so fast. And they get really emotional. And sometimes they get they mad at you. Usually this shows up as anger. And often the other partner says, I don't understand. Like, why, why are you acting like that? It, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't feel that way. So it doesn't make sense to me that you're acting in that way. Why, why are you doing that? That's so like irrational. But we discussed that you can't say that soft spots are often related to insecurities that go all the way back to childhood. They aren't necessarily related to us. They might be, but the huge emotional reaction isn't, we, you know, we, we may have caused it, but it's not all related to us. So we can't just judge our partner based on the way we think they should feel because they bring different experiences to the relationship. And we're not always going to feel the same way about things. The most important thing to do in those circumstances is to try come from a place of curiosity. That was the big, big thing that we tried to end the episode with, this idea of always try to approach conflict from a place of curiosity and understanding. You can think of it as an opportunity to under, understand your partner in a new light, like a new domain that you didn't know about your partner before that you're coming to learn through the shared experience. Conflicts are also excellent opportunities to show your partner that you're there for them. It's really hard to be there for somebody when they're angry at you. But as we already mentioned in previous episodes, you have to first rescue. That's the big thing. If somebody's angry, we want you to think of that as if they are drowning. 
They cannot think properly, logically when they're angry, okay? We need to first help them calm down and relax. The most basic ways of relaxing come from holding, from rocking gently, from assuring them that things are going to be okay, that we're there for them. Okay, rescue. First, rescue someone if they're drowning, then ask why they went there. Let's say like they weren't a deep end swimmer and they went to the deep end. You know, you're not going to try ask them why you're in the deep end before if you're a lifeguard and you see they're drowning. First, rescue. Always remember, first, rescue. Super. So let's get right into this week's episode on teamwork. What should teamwork look like in a relationship? Is it me and you against the world? Is it me against you? Is it us and our families against the world? Is it my family against you? What should it look like? I want you, before getting into it, to first reflect on your own experiences on teamwork in your relationship. What does teamwork look like to you? Some examples could be that you help each other with tasks around the house. It can be that you are calling each other to see how you're doing. What does teamwork look like? Okay. Pause this podcast right here if you need a little bit more time to think about it. But let's get right into it. So, teamwork in a relationship. The idea here that we want to give is from Laura Schlesinger and 10 Stupid Things Couples Do to Mess Up Their Relationship and Sue Johnson and Hold Me Tight. They both say very firmly that you have to put your partner first. We want you to think about the idea of you and your partner against the world. Now, what does this look like? It means that your partner always comes first whenever there's a problem between, let's say, your family and your partner. Who do you go for? Let's say that your mother or your father says something that they disapprove of your partner and you're married already. You've been together for some time. You have to take your partner's side in front of your parents. This is further, further emphasized in John Gottman's seven principles for making marriage work. We have to put our partners first. Why? Why? And what do we mean by this? And what does it look like? Well, the idea here is that your partner is the only thing that you are going to care about the most. If, if, that, if that were the case, if everyone only cared most about their partners, then it, it would make sense. It's like, well, everyone's doing it, so we should do it too. But the problem is this, like if you care more about your family members than your partner, like let's say your parents over your partner, well, your parents maybe has another partner that puts them first. You know, so it's like you have so many people who are getting all this other attention and other support that they have. Like, it's not your job to be your parents' parent, you know, they like, or to 
or to be your parents' partner. Your parents have their own partners, you know, ho hopefully, or they had their own partners. It, it's helpful at times to support your parents, but only in ways that keep your partner feeling satisfied and loved and, and happy in the relationship. Because your partner, guys, it's, it's the thing that's going to hopefully carry with you for many, many years after your parents, hopefully for decades and your whole life. We're not saying that you shouldn't care about your parents. You should. You should, definitely. But in moments when there's conflict between your partner and your parents, this is the big thing, you got to side with your partner. This is kind of like what some people think of the point where somebody becomes an adult when they side with their partner over their parents. And, they've, and we're not talking here like if it's a brand new relationship. Let's say like you're, you're young and your parents have a bad feeling and, and it's, you know, you're, you're only at the first couple of dates. It's, that's one thing. That's okay. But if you're already married for a couple of years and one of your parents doesn't accept your partner, but you're, you're, you want to stay with your partner, remember, you know, you know best. Like your parents don't know what your partner's like in all those moments that, that you're with them. Okay, like they may have a totally, totally skewed view of them. And it may be related to something completely unrelated to your partner. Like maybe, maybe they're just projecting their own fears onto your partner. Or maybe they feel uncomfortable with the idea that you are having other, that you have other major influences in your life that you, you respond to and, and, and you you value. It's scary, I think. It's for some it maybe it feels like losing connection. But don't let your your parents in, in the sense bully you. I don't want to use the word bully, but push you to side with them if it hurts your partner because your partner is 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 there to be a team with you. Okay? You have to let, it means so much to them when you side with them. Partners are also very, very insecure at times if, if the other person's parents don't like them. It's, it's a very hard feeling not to feel good enough, okay? Or, or not to feel accepted. It's very, very, very hard for your partner. However hard it may be for you that your parent doesn't like something about your partner, it's even harder, guys, most of the time for your partner. It's really hard to feel like you're not good enough. Maybe the issue is that the parents want you to have somebody who's perfect and they think you can do better. Well, here's a wake-up call, guys. Welcome to the real world. It's really, really hard to find somebody who can be perfect for you, okay? That doesn't exist. You have to make somebody perfect for you starting from a good place, you know, you can turn them from good to great by working together, by coming close to each other, by learning about each other's needs, fears, talking openly to each other, finding each other's love languages, and finding effective ways to communicate together, and, and to help each other feel loved in the way that is, is most effective, Okay, that's how you make somebody like your your soulmate. 
you you have to you have to work on it. So so what we're saying is, if your parents say that someone's not good enough, uh, and you really love them, and you feel like they're good for you, and you've already been together for for like a long time, or or you're married already, it's gonna take an enormous amount of work to go back to the starting board and, and try again with someone new. It's like years of years of growth that you already have together with your partner that's going to get lost for that. And often, except in special cases like emergencies or relationships where there's abuse, you got, God forbid, but most of the time, the years of growth it's going to take is, is just not worth the starting over okay remember you have so much with your partner already and i think only when couples don't see their partner anymore do they actually notice this all too often it's only when the couches you know are split and the furniture truck drives away and the the partner sits alone that they really understand for the first time what it feels like to be without that partner it's like they thought they weren't good enough, but then the partner left. And then it's like, oh my, I, wow. Like, you know, and only in that moment do you realize everything that you had together. The coronavirus, I know, well, we're recording this during the coronavirus. If you're listening to this years later and you think back to the coronavirus and you say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I lived through that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You know, um, if you're listening to this in a very long time and you don't know what the coronavirus is, you know, wow, the world is going to be a very different place um, then. But um, the, the important thing here is what the coronavirus is doing for a lot of couples is a lot of them, like let's say they were living in different cities or they were living with family members who were vulnerable, were partially separated because of the virus, like they couldn't visit each other, they couldn't see each other, they couldn't be together. And it was an amazing, amazing wake-up call for so, so many of them to realize all the things that they did for each other. When you don't have your partner with you, suddenly you realize, and it's a big shame, I think that so many couples take for granted what they're getting from the other they think, oh, I could do better. But it's like, excuse me, do you realize all the things that your partner is doing for you already? You know, it's hard to take care of you. There, A lot of people think, I, you know, I'm better, I, I need better. But it's like, why do you think that? I wonder if it comes from a place of insecurity. So Mark Manson, in his book, we're going to call it here, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Puck, um, says in his book that we have this new generation. I wouldn't say new generation per se, but kind of like a, a changing idea that people now feel like they deserve so much. Now, why is this? Well, basically he says that there's been a few decades of, like more so recently, people being told that they're special and that they can have the world, and that they can do anything, and people are just growing up with this idea that they're they're special, and also people kind of have the idea that life is really easy, and everything is supposed to be easy, but, you know, then they grow up, and they start getting rejected for the first time, whether it be from their partners, or from a job, or from 
something else and realize that life actually, you know, is hard and and they can think two things to to come to reconcile the reality that life is much harder than they thought that it might be. So the first is, well, maybe I can't do anything and I don't deserve the world and I actually have to work for things much harder than I initially thought, in which case, like, I'm not so special. So that that's the first thing that they could get to. Or the other one is... I'm special, but I'm in the wrong environment for me. So I need to change my environment or I need to change something about, you know, what I'm doing, who I'm with, so that I can be treated in the way that I deserve. So what happens is if if somebody goes to the first thing, which is to say, you know, maybe I'm not so special, that's it can be good. It, it can encourage them to work harder and be more realistic with their goals and expectations of others. I mean, it can be bad if they really think that they're 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 not worthy of anything. You know, there's there's another any any extreme is bad. But this this is one one conclusion they can get to. In the other one, when they say I'm special but my environment's bad, this sets people up for leaving their partners or siding with their parents or or just feeling like they deserve better, okay? Feeling that they, they're, they're in the wrong environment for them. Now, this, is, can, be, this can be really, really bad because they're going to get a wake-up call eventually that life is hard and people don't want to just always do their laundry for them and always clean the house nicely for them and always do this, 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 this for them. Because if they want to be treated like they're some king of the universe... Okay, like like you can find somebody who's into treating somebody like they're king of the universe is very rare. I don't know if you'd find someone. If you find someone like that, you know, maybe they're codependent, um, which is a problem on its own. We have a whole episode dedicated to codependency, but just briefly to touch over it, I actually only discovered codependency in my 20s. I don't know. And like, I thought of myself as a pretty academic and hardworking student. So I think in general, there is a lot of like lack of education on on codependency uh briefly to bring it up here it's the idea when you put a lot of your self-worth on caring for other people you're essentially dependent on caring for other people on other people to feel your own self-worth now this can be really bad because it encourage it can encourage people to do things that are really not good for them but end up really benefiting someone else and kind of lead them to get taken advantage of because they need that to feel good about themselves. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that somebody really, really cares about helping other people and they have a big exam coming up from, for their school and their friend is hosting a party and they want them to help them set up for the party and help them get everything ready and clean up after, for example. So a lot of people would say, no, I have to study. But if, if a huge part of your self-worth comes from the idea of feeling like you need to take care of others, then you, you can say, I need to do this. And then you can help them and then do really poorly on your exam, which will lead to problems with your graduation or, or whatever else. And it can be the same thing with your work, with your family, with anything. Um, so, okay, but, but getting back to the, the main topic here... If you think that you deserve better, this, if it comes from this place of entitlement, feeling that, you know, you don't play by the rules, that you can do, 
that you're special, that you, it's, it's, it's harmful. And I, I think people who think this or parents who think this also, because it can come from the parent. The parent can keep telling you, you're special, you're special, you're special, you deserve better. But you have to, you have to think realistically, like, why would somebody want to love me more than, than this? Now, there's one, there's one big thing here which, which gets people, which is at the beginning of relationships. Remember, in stages of a relationship, we said, in the first stage, which is like lust, romance, you have a car full of gas, you know, full new car, it has like the nitrous tank, everything, zero to 100, like super fast, okay? And then you have to learn how to put gas in the car after you start doing this through initial struggle, getting to understand each other, and then eventually working, learning, learning what works and keeping on doing that. People who are struggling to put gas in the car will say, I need to get a new car, okay? But you can't just keep buying a new car and returning it and getting a new one every time you need to fill the gas tank. Guys, how unsustainable would that be? If, if you didn't know how to pump gas in a car, let's say you paid for 300 liters, but only 50 liters were getting in. And every time, you know, you said, every time your gas is low, you said, I'm done, I'm buying a new car. I'm going to return this and buy a new one. Guys, it's hard for your finances. It's hard for your time. It's hard for your energy. And that's the same thing, guys, with changing relationships. It's hard on your finances, especially if you've been together for a long time. Guys, lawsuits are crazy, crazy expensive. Not just that, it's, it's hard on the amount of time that you have to dedicate to this. It takes away from your other hobbies and your other passions. Never mind if you guys have savings and you split the savings. Never mind if you used to have two incomes and I only have one income supporting a property. Guys, it is extremely, extremely, like, so much work uh, on your finances, on your energy, on, on your emotions. So, okay. So, so the first thing is if, if your parents are saying, you have to something and you've been together with your partner for a while and you want to stay with your partner, guys, you got to side with your partner because it might be coming from a place of entitlement or insecurity on your parents' end, okay? And if you feel like you deserve better, you have to think if it's coming from a place of insecurity on your end, okay? Do you really think that you deserve better or are you just unhappy and trying to... to temporarily get the new high of a full gas tank to only have the same problem happen to you shortly after. Guys, lust and, and romance and relationships only last a very short while as everyone figures out eventually. And then you have to learn how to get the gas in the car the right way. Now, another thing that I want to bring up is if you have kind of dissatisfaction in the relationship and then you complain to parents, you can actually set up a bad image of your partner to your parents, okay? If your parents think of your partner a certain way, why, why, like, why did you, why do they think that? Do they think that because of the way that you speak to your partner about them? This is another really important thing to consider. Do you find complaining, like, easy? Do you, do you find it relieving to have people support you, even though maybe it's, it's like, easy in the short term? but really harmful in the long term? Are you just trying to like not deal with the problem by pushing it away? And just, just these the short-term things, they compound. They end up causing damage in, in the long term. Like you can't, you can't just put a Band-Aid on it every time. You have to learn how to prevent it from happening in the first place. Okay, so what did we talk about so far here? We talked about the need to put your partner first, even before your parents. And then we talked about the kinds of 
discussions, the reasons why you might feel like you need to put your parents before your partner, if there's a disagreement, it might be related to entitlement, like feeling you deserve better from your end or your parents' end. It's usually, guys, related to insecurity, like feeling like we we deserve better because we feel like we're not enough, but but maybe it's, it's, it's coming from inside of us. It's an important thing to think about. Like, do you feel like you're not enough or do you feel like your environment's not enough? Because I think often people confuse that and usually it's because they feel like they're not enough. Okay. And the next thing we, we talked about, another reason why this kind of conflict can come up is if um, the way that they communicate about their partner to others. So if you're always talking negative about your partner to others and you don't bring up the positive traits, it's no surprise that people are going to get the wrong impression. If people have the wrong impression on your partner, you have to think, what was my role? What did I do to get here? It's so important. Always have to ask, what was my role? Okay, It's hard to live in a world where we feel like we don't have a say in the matter or a role. We have to always ask ourselves, like, what, what could I do? Just that question, where am I responsible, is so empowering because it feels good to live in a world where you have a say in the outcome. I really hope that people feel that they, they have some sort of say in the outcome or, or some sort of responsibility. It's hard to live feeling like every, someone else has responsibility for your whole life. Okay, It's really empowering to feel like you have responsibility for your situation. So what do we talk about here that you always should side with your partner, okay? Because other people have partners or other things, but partner, you know, what does the word partner mean? It's like your partner, your teammate. You and your partner, we recommend, should act like a team. Now, in the next part of this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about teamwork, what it looks like, um, and what are some strategies, okay, to, to get really good at it? So I think a lot of people are scared of the idea of like being their partner's teammate or something because they feel like they aren't, aren't good enough. Like they feel like they have to always help their pro- partner with their problems. And they're like, I don't know how to solve your problems. I don't know what to do. Like, this is too much for me. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved because I don't know what to do. Okay. Like, I'm not an expert. This is a really, really common idea. And and that's okay. It's like, okay to feel this way. This is what I have to say to people who think this way. It's that you don't have to solve your your partner's problem. Okay. You don't have to solve their problems. What do I mean by this? Let's say your partner comes to you and they say, I'm so frustrated. You know, like I heard this from my boss. I really wanted that promotion and it seems like I'm not going to get it it's not fair. I work so hard. Like, I wish that, that I was treated the way that I want to be treated in, in my workplace. Like, I wish that I got this. No one appreciates me. Okay. So many partners in this situation will say something like, well, you know, the other person had a lot of experience or like, well, why are you coming to me? I don't know what to do. But like, why don't ask me, you know? But what is this telling your partner? This is saying like, listen, I'm not on your team. You know, if a partner comes to you with an issue, they feel like people are probably like ganging up on them or or they feel like people are putting them in a hole or making them feel like they're not valuable or like if they're coming to you with an issue, it's probably because they feel bad about it. Right. So so what you should do is you should try to in the moment while they feel bad, help them to feel better. 
by doing that first rescue, okay? First, help them feel better, and then you can talk about how you feel, you know, properly in a more, like, logical, constructive manner. Now, the thing is, if, if your partner comes to you with a problem and you say, listen, I don't know how to deal with this, like, don't ask me, okay, that, that is going to add fire to the fire, okay? Your gas to the fire, whatever expression you want to use. Because your partner already feels hurt from multiple different areas. They felt hurt that the event happened, okay? They felt hurt thinking the whole day when they were excited to share it with you that the event happened. And then they felt hurt again when you told them that you don't know what to do. Like, is this, is this what you want? Like, hurt, hurt, hurt? You just want to make it hurt. And then, you know what, guys? They feel hurt again when they sit by themselves and they wonder why you're not there for them, okay? And then you feel hurt when they come to you after and they say, why are you never there for me? Or when they say, like, I felt really rejected when you said that, okay? Do you want to create this hurt? No, no, you don't want this. It's not, it's not good. It doesn't feel good, okay? It just causes problems, okay? So um, what, what are you supposed to do? When in a situation like this. Well, what John Gottman says in his book is the easiest thing you can do in a situation like this is just say, poor baby, poor baby. Okay, just those two words, poor baby. What does that, what does that signify? It means, wow, like, I imagine this must be very hard for you. And I'm, I'm sorry that you feel this way. I'm here for you. Like, and like, put your arm around them. Say, I'm with you. Guys, that is so empowering. You, you can say that or, or you can say the long spiel, you know, whatever you think is going to work. You can try both and then keep doing whatever's working um, in your relationship. There are going to be many, 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 many encounters when your partner comes to you with a problem. I hope if they're not coming to you with a problem, guys, it means that you have an issue it takes a certain level of closeness to come with problems, okay? And, and the more that you can help each other in these instances, the more memories, good memories of supporting each other you can have, the more value there is in your relationship, the less likely you are to get divorced. Relationships built on many, many, many good experiences of coming together, adding value, supporting each other, guys, have a strong foundation. That's what you want to do. You want to build the strong foundation. Remember what we talked about when we spoke about the emotional bank account in, in earlier episodes, okay? When times are good, you want to lean into your relationship and come together because this is really going to help you when times are bad, okay? When times are bad, you're going to have all these memories of, of supporting each other and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep your relationship strong, okay? Keep it like sturdy, strong foundation, okay? That's what we're going for. So we're going for So teamwork. What we mean by teamwork, again, let's just recap, is, is take your partner's side. Even if you disagree with your partner, let's say that your partner's super mad about the promotion and honestly, you feel like they shouldn't have got the promotion because like they, they're just, they, I don't know, for whatever reason, you just feel like they shouldn't have gotten it anyway. Don't tell that to them when they're upset. That's such a big thing. You're not inflating their ego. You're not doing anything, guys. You're just helping to rescue. Remember, first rescue when the situation arises. After they calm down, guys, in the evening, the next day, remember, people forget this. Your relationship is like a continuum, okay? You have later. You have tomorrow. Everyone forgets this, okay? Like, yeah, yeah, live like today's your last day. This is a big popular saying, but like also like, yeah, like do things 
in the most effective way, knowing that you can put things in the future, okay? And the moment when your partner is hurt, 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 from the hurt, the experience, hurt thinking about it, now, do you want to hurt them again? No. You want to bring them out of this hurt cycle, guys. You want to tell them, I'm with you, okay? You don't have to feel for them. Benet Brown talks about this in Dare to Lead, the difference between sympathy and, and like, empathy, okay? The big idea that she's going for is when your partner comes to you and says they're hurt or anyone comes to you and says they're hurt, the big thing is, is you want to say, I'm with you, okay? Like, you don't want to feel for them, like, wow, I feel so awful, because then you, then the person feels bad. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, now I feel awful that you feel awful, but it's like, I felt awful to start with, so now it's just like an awful feeling cycle, you know, like, that's not what you want. You just want to make them feel like they're not alone, because people hate feeling alone, especially, like, in times of trouble. Sometimes, yeah, people need to be alone, but, like, connection feels really good. Fear of connection and abandonment holds so many of us back, okay? And, and, that feeling of abandonment causes so much pain. But what you want to do when there's pain is you want to do the opposite of that. You want to create a feeling of closeness, okay? People love feeling close, okay? And and, and so, uh, feeling close in the way that they want to be felt close with. That's why you got to talk about it first. Don't just assume that they want what you want. Like if your love language is physical touch and they like um, acts of service, you know, to them feeling close will be like you... just doing something without being asked around the house to help them out. Like that will make them feel better than if you just, if you just, I don't know, put, put your arm around them for a long time. But if they like physical touch, guys, this is why you got to talk about it. If they really like physical touch, then in that moment, you're going to, it's going to be best to put your arm around them. Okay. If that, if that's what they feel safe and, and comfortable in. And also just remember from the soft spot episode that if, if your partner comes to you, it, it, and, and you don't understand why they feel that way. Like we already touched on this in the beginning, but just get it. Like they are different to you. They have different experiences. They're going to feel differently to different events. Okay. Don't expect them to feel the way you feel. This is never going to work. This is never, ever, 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 ever going to work. You have to understand that they feel what they feel and just help them through that. So teamwork, 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 supporting your partner, telling them I'm there for you. I'm here, okay, hold them if they want to be held, be there with them, listen to them, just listen, guys. There's, there's a big thing in 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson that, that he mentions is, is it's one of the rules. Listen as if the other person knows something that you don't. Have you ever been talking to somebody and like, you're listening, but actually you're just planning what you're going to say. Like, I'm guilty of this too. Unfortunately, I'm very, like, unfortunately. Um, I know we're all guilty of this at some point. That's okay. Okay? Just, like, you can't change the past, but you can make the future better and the present better. When they're talking to you guys, don't come from a place of judgment. Remember, first, rescue. Come from a place of curiosity and understanding. Just listen. Okay? Be curious. Guys, when they come to you with a problem, so many people, like when people come to them with emotion, they just like claw up. They're like, I can't deal with this right now. I don't know what to do. Like, don't come to me with emotions. Okay. But guys, this leads relationships to like fizzle out. No, you have to support each other. That's the whole point of partners, like partner teams, support each other. Okay. When they come to you with emotion, you open your arms and you listen and you care You can learn about your partner. Remember we said love is knowing. You can only 
love somebody as much as you know them. See opportunities like this, guys, when they come to you, when there's an issue, as an opportunity to learn. Now, there are other opportunities you can learn from them too. We're not saying create conflict so that you can learn from the outcome. We're just saying when the problem is there, be curious, guys. Remember, that's your role. You're their partner. You're their teammate. If they're not coming to you with their problems, maybe there have been issues when they came to you in the past. I'm sure that they came to you at some point, okay? Or maybe if they never came to you, this is a deeper issue. But just be available. Another thing you can do is don't just wait for them to come to you with the problem. You can facilitate conversation that leads to the exploration of problems through having open and honest conversations. And it doesn't have to be difficult. Just set aside 15 minutes after dinner every day or, or try eat dinner together. If you can't eat dinner together, you know, I, I would say that's unfortunate. I'd hope that there'd be a way that you can, you can do that when you're living together. But if you can't, Set up 15 minutes, just 15, guys. Everyone can find 15 minutes in their day. If you can't find 15 minutes in your day, you have to take things out that aren't essential because life is easier today than it's ever been before. Like, guys, people used to have to wash their clothes like more than just going to the dishwasher or going to the sink. Like, there were times when people didn't have running water, okay? Like, imagine that. There were times before the dishwasher and the fridge were invented and you couldn't just buy anything you want at the grocery store, guys. If life is so convenient today, how do we not have time? How? I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's because people are numbing. People hate that, that feeling of like not being doing something because they're so uncomfortable in their bodies. Like they don't know their bodies that they're just trying to fill it with, with tasks, with, with things. And, and they feel like they have to be doing something all the time because the moment they're not doing something, and I see this a lot with people and using their phones, the moment they don't use their phone, anxious. They feel anxious. They're like, oh my God, what is this? Where am I? What am I doing? What do I feel? I'm, you know, it's, it's hard. But Yuval Noah Harari in his book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, which is really interesting, and we're going to explore it like later, it says this, this quote, and it really stuck with me the first time I read it. It says, if you don't feel at home in your body, you'll never feel at home in the world. I'm going to repeat that. If you don't feel at home in your body, you will never feel at home in the world. It is so easy, guys, to, to distract ourselves, okay? That we have to recognize our body. It's the only thing that's ours, okay? We have to be comfortable feeling. And I think that's why partners also aren't comfortable when their partner comes to them for help. Like, they don't want to be a team because it's like, I, I am so uncomfortable with the way I feel emotions that when you come to me with emotions, it makes me feel emotions and I just don't know how to deal with them. It's hard, okay? It's really hard to be in a place like that. And also, I would argue that there's not a lot of experiences, like formal teaching experiences, when we learn how we're supposed to deal with our emotions. Like, like with parents and children, yes, like when, it, when a baby cries, the parent picks them up and holds them. Guys, with your partner, like when your partner cries, you know, the, be available, hold, offer to hold them, you know, be there. Like when a baby cries, the parent's there. Okay, like this is the same thing with adults. Like babies and adults are both humans. Guys, humans need connection. We're a social species, okay? If someone comes to you from help, don't judge. If a baby's crying, it's actually so important. If a baby is crying... The parent doesn't immediately judge the baby for crying. They just support the baby, guys. This first rescue concept is embedded. Parents just know. You pick up the baby first, and then you talk about it later, okay? 
So the idea here in teamwork is you got to be a team. At the beginning, we talked about what does that look like? It means you have to put your partner first, even before your parents. Okay, that's hard. Why does that happen? Then we explored issues that happen between partners and parents, like feeling that they're not good enough or, or feeling like you could do better. After that, we unpacked that a little bit more and we talked about why that happened. So we, we talked about entitlement, like maybe I feel like I deserve better because I think I'm special. Okay, but guys, wake up call. Yeah, like you have a lot of great qualities, but it's hard to find love, like good love. If you have a partner who's there for you and cares about you, like you are really lucky. Okay, why do you think you need better? We're going we're, we're gonna to talk about this a little bit more briefly before we close. Um, we then talked about the way that you communicate about your partner to others. So if you have an issue with your parents and your partner, like, well, what are you telling your parents or your friends? What are you telling your friends about your partner? It's easy, guys. It's easy and convenient to get people on your side by feeding them things that are going to get them to support your story. Okay? Like, people do this. It's common. But guys, it's not good. It's, 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 it's actually lying. You know, if you say something that isn't really true just because you want people to get on your side, that's lying. Like, is that what you want to be? Like, I know it's hard to hear this, but like, honestly, like it, it's convenient in the moment, but like, is this what you want to be attached to your identity? And also guys, it's hard to tell bad things about someone to someone, like your friend, like tell bad things about your partner to your friend and then have your friend not like your partner. Like, okay, maybe it feels good in the five minutes that you're looking to numb your anxiety and, and like put a bandaid over it by just, by just getting this person on your side. But guys, then they're going to think badly about your partner for like, who knows how long after, is this what you want? Like, do you want this, you know, when you're happy with your partner again, do you want to have to justify to your friend why your partner's good? Like, this is such a pain. <laughs> no, just, just, Take, take another way of dealing with it, like keeping it between you and your partner or like only telling open and honest and truthful things to your, to your friends and family about them. You know, it's not nice to talk about people behind their back. This is another thing that you could just stop doing completely. Okay, like just make hard limits. We're going to talk about limits um, very soon about the way that you communicate about your partner to others. Okay, like what do you share? What don't you share? When you share, maybe do you share only when you're with that person? Or do you share imagining as if you were with that person to help keep your ideas in check? Next, we talked about teamwork being like you and your partner come together to help each other, okay? But then we said that when partners come to each other and they ask for help, they often shy away. Like, they, they're like, I don't know what to do. Um, don't come to me for help kind of thing. Or like, I, I don't... I think you deserved it. You know, like these are very hurtful to your partner. Why? If we unpack this, we explored it. It's because of the hurt, hurt, hurt that happens when the experience happened, thinking about the experience. And now like, do you want to be that third hurt when they come to you? No. Remember first rescue, repeating it because it's so critical to everything in life. First, show them that you're on their side. Show them that you're there for them. Hold them, help them calm down. Okay. Tell them, remember, we talked a little bit about sympathy versus empathy. We're going to explore this further. But the big thing is connection. You want to facilitate connection by saying something or acting in a way that's like, I'm with you, okay? Like, I'm here. I care. Like, I'm, I'm with you, okay? You're not alone. Like, it's, 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 it's going to be okay, okay? I'm here. It's so important. Those words are so, so beautiful, helpful, and powerful when you share them with your partner. 
we then unpacked a little bit more about why people don't do this. So like maybe they they feel unsafe in their body. They, they don't feel comfortable feeling emotions because they've been numbing them for so long or they just don't know what to do with them. And then their partner shares emotions, which makes them feel emotions in themselves. And then they feel even more overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. Okay. We have to work on feeling comfortable in our bodies. We're going to talk about this more in later episodes. But remember that quote from Yuval Noah Harari in 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. If you don't feel at home in your body, you'll never feel at home in the world. Now, before we wrap up, I want to go back to when we were talking about issues between you and your partner and like you going to your parents, for example, or or talking badly about them or thinking that you deserve better. A really big thing that I want to share here is that people act differently depending on who they're with. And I'm sure you've noticed this before. I am absolutely certain that you have noticed this in like a hundred different assets of your life. Have you noticed that like friends act really nice to one person, but really mean to another? Like your boss acts very differently around one person or another, or like your partner acts very differently with you than they did with their friends. Or maybe like your relationship is very different to like an, another, I don't know, relationship that you've, you've had before. Like you, you act very differently to your partner. Guys, this is so important. And we're going to explore this further, but I just want to bring it up now is that your partner is like a mirror of the way that you treat them. I want you to just think of this analogy. It actually, the first time I heard this was in, in Judaism and in a book on, on Judaism, they, they talk about this idea that everyone around you is like a mirror of you. Now, what does that mean? That means if you treat somebody nicely with respect, they will usually treat you back with with respect and kindness, which I'm sure is something you've noticed already. You know, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. This isn't new. Although it, it has to do with Newton's laws of physics. You know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That's the third classic law. Um, it's the same with emotions. Guys, if you are struggling with your partner, okay, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing? Okay? Like, am I treating them the way that they want to be treated? How do you know if you're treating them the way they want to be treated? Like, did you ask them the way that they want to be treated in, like, respectful and productive ways? Did you talk about those love languages? Were you available to them when when they wanted to come to you for help? Uh, it's easy for us to think that we were always there, we were always right, we were always doing something good, okay? But but in reality, when we like really, really reflect on it, I'm sure that we can think of experiences when when that wasn't the case. Like we'd like to think of ourselves as the kind of people who do that because it's convenient and it's good and like we feel righteous, you know, like that's what that's how we want to carry ourselves about. But when we break it down further, I'm sure we can all think of moments when we weren't there. And more than that, guys, if we ask our partner, I'm sure that they can unpack a lot of moments that we didn't even think about because our partner is going to experience things differently to us. Maybe we think we're doing a good job, but our partner would say something else. Now, this this could this could be problematic in some places. It could come from like abuse or or something else. Okay, I don't I don't want to talk about I, I don't. If in extreme examples, this can be very harmful, okay? But they are respective, respectful ways, which, which we spoke about already in the show, of coming to your partner to learn about things you can do better, okay? Like asking them, um, 
what is something that I'm doing that's like not helping or like what's something I could do better or like what's something that you need for me right now and guys follow up with it if you ask your partner these questions and you don't follow up because you're being lazy or you just don't want to do it or whatever or you're too busy okay your partner's just not going to believe you when you ask them again they're like why even answer okay like of course you're not going to do it and if they say something like that you have to think like did I really not do it Okay. And again, in extreme, in extreme cases, like, like in borderline personality disorder, which we're going to explore, this can be very, very um, toxic. But most of the time, guys, like I'm not talking about like, like very extreme cases. Most of the time we, if, if a partner is like acting kind of negative about it, we have to ask did you know, did we ask one time and then we didn't follow up and just be open guys. We're open to criticism, although it's hard. We're open to criticism, like on our work and the whole world, guys, like runs. Criticism is just a really important part of, of the world. It's like it's like how we grow and get better. Like for example, like when I when I submit an article to a journal, like reviewers are gonna are gonna read it and they're gonna give me a lot of criticism on how to make the article better. Okay. Like I'm not offended by that because it's like, thank you for this this tip that I can do better. We're not we're not perfect. You know, we're not born perfect and knowing everything. So I want you to try to think of criticism, although this is hard. This is really hard, guys, for a lot of people, and it takes practice, okay? It's hard, but just think about it. Think about it as an ability to get better, okay? Think of it like like consulting advice on things that you can do to get better. And it's easy to believe that we're perfect, guys, but there are always things we can do to get better. And guys, getting better, it, it feels good. Like, it feels good when you do something better. It might be hard in the moment. You might be arguing with your partner about it, or, or you might just feel bad. But trust me, when you get better at it, things are going to get simpler, clearer, and easier in the relationship. Okay? Remember that flywheel example that we brought up? It's like a big, big stone wheel that's hard to turn. At the beginning, it's hard. It's really hard to start something new, to think about this in such a new way. But once you get the wheel turning, guys, the hardest thing is just starting. It's just pushing that wheel, breaking the friction to get it started. But once it starts moving, it becomes easier and easier to push. You just push it a little more. It gets a little bit faster every time you push it. And eventually, it's spinning really fast, and you're well on your way to building a strong beautiful and efficient by efficient i mean like you got a lot of reward based on your effort like a lot of that gas is going into the tank relationship and relationship guys we already talked about this we can explore it more later have so many health benefits guys loneliness kills people in healthy relationships in a study john gottman talks about in his book live four years longer on average in healthy relationships guys than people who aren't in healthy and strong relationships People feel good in relationships. I'm sure you can make a big list of, of the benefits of having healthy and strong love. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We talked about teamwork, what it looks like. It means putting your partner first, even if there's conflicts with parents. You have to side with your partner, guys. Okay, put them first. Um, we talked about why we may get into these situations when it's like parents versus partner we talked about next um that you can help your partner and side with them in the moment even if you don't agree with them but just to help them feel better it's not lying guys it's not lying to say i'm with you okay i hope you feel better i, I want to help you okay like because that's what you want i mean i hope that's what you want that's a sign that you know you're in a you're in a healthy relationship. Like you know you should want that for your partner. 
you can always talk about it later, okay? Like, again, we brought up this example with, like, promotion. You didn't think your partner deserved the promotion, okay? For whatever reason, I don't, I'm not going to ask. But you just tell them in the moment, that must be hard. Like, I'm with you. Like, I'm with you. I care about you. I'm here. What can I do right now to support you? Remember, like, we don't know our partners perfectly, guys. We don't even know ourselves perfectly. That's why you always ask, what can I do right now to support you? It's such an empowering word. If you don't know, just ask, guys. Ask. What questions? Like, questions start with what are, like, so, so helpful so many times. If you don't know, just ask. We feel like we need to know everything, guys, but we don't. No one does, okay? That's why we have question words so that you can ask. Okay, and we talked about how this exists everywhere, this kind of criticism to grow. Um, so I hope that you will find these, these, this idea of, of being with your partner, supporting your partner, okay, in the moment. If you don't agree, remember later, you can always talk about it, like a few days later, once they feel better and say, well, maybe this, maybe that, you know, maybe they had this, okay? Just talk about it. But, but in the moment, you don't want that hurt, hurt, hurt. You want to support them. Thank you so much for listening again. And uh, if you want to hear more, guys, check out our website, learnlove.ca. We have a website there with a blog. It's full of really great content. Um, lots more about our mission and our vision. And also, guys, we're recruiting volunteers. So if you want to get involved with the show, if you have a story you want to share or like there's somebody you think would be great to interview for the show, or if you want to write a blog piece, if you want to contribute some photos or media content, if you want to work on a video, if you want to work on our search engine optimization, web development, even we have an idea for mobile development, you can find all that on learnlove.ca. In the next episode, we are going to talk about limits. I am super excited to make this episode. I've wanted to make it for a very long time. Um, I think it's so important. Um, and also not talked about it, guys, this whole show, it's like important things that aren't talked about enough. I hope you'll find it helpful. And we talked a lot about criticism on this show, how we can think that we're perfect and doing everything right, or sometimes it's really helpful to ask what can we do better because, you know, we don't know everything. Um, so we're going to ask you that hard question, which we'd love to hear is what are things we can do to make better content for you here at the studio reach out to us tell us your feedback at contact at learnedlove.ca that's contact at learnedlove.ca you can also reach out to us through our website and we're so excited to see you in the next episode love is hard it can be really hard sometimes trust us we know but it doesn't have to be. Thanks for joining us.